This is Strange Assembly, episode 253, Anarch. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Craig Kellner. Hello, and I'll praise Victoria Ash. Wrong book, dude. Oh, man. I mean, (laughs) I mean, F. Theo Bell. (laughs) No, I think they like him in this book. Do they? It's hard to tell. But uh, (laughs) this, yeah, go back and listen to 249 if you guys want to hear about Victoria Ash. This is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there or in the Apple Podcast app. You can find us on the usual social media. We're facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. Oh, and if you go to patreon.com slash strangeassembly, we'll love you forever. But today we are going to be talking about the second of the two like sort of not really released supplements for Vampire the Masquerade 5th edition. In episode 249, we talked about Camarilla, which is about the Camarilla. Subtle that way. And then today we're talking about Anarch, which is about the other side of the coin, sort of. The Anarch movement. Uh, as you may recall, right, in, in the 5th edition of Vampire, uh, at least in the core book, the Sabbat has kind of been relegated to nothing more than its crusade in the Middle East, and so all of the normal stuff at play is the is either Camarilla or Anarch. So I guess the sort of first thing to deal with in Anarch is um, I'm reminded that in the Camarilla episode, uh, Craig, you you said something like this is the Camarilla book was the game was the supplement that the game needed, something like that, right? Yeah, and I think they try to do a similar thing with the Anarch book, but the thing about Anarchs and they the one thing they did portray is how 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 much anarchy um, the layout and planning in the book is. Basically, in this one. You got 138 pages of vignettes and bloodlines references and about 62 pages worth of game book. Other people have said it, but it's just not the kind of book you would need to bring to your table. If you're playing an Anarch, you probably don't need to know all the subtleties of the Camarilla, which is what the Camarilla Guide used its vignettes to basically lay out for you. And this one, you just get screw the man with it. Yeah, I think the answer to the question was this. We'll talk in a little bit about what we think about it as what it is, but was this the book that the game needed? And I think, no, it wasn't. It's not a book about, oh, what is it like being an Anarch, or how generally does the Anarch movement work, or partially because although the V5 core book presented it as if there was now this more unified anarch movement that really does not that has not been taken up in the anarch supplement anarchs are just everybody who's not camarilla basically uh, not not quite i mean there's still like you know the giovanni are out there as an independent clan and, and whatever remnants of sabat but it's just kind of everybody that's not camarilla and it covers everyone in the world it does not really even try much to say, oh, well, the Anarch movement has taken over Berlin, so let's talk about how the Anarch movement 
has worked in Berlin as an example of that. I mean, there's there's a couple pages about that, but there's a, about maybe a dozen pages on the topic of how does the anarch movement generally work? work? What is it likely to be like? What are its general principles? That sort of thing. And an awful lot of the vignettes, while they're all ostensibly anarchs, there's no reason that they're anarchs. Like, it could have been a story about Camarilla vampires. Yeah, like what you said earlier, there was, there is no, like, unified section on these are certain anarch strongholds. Um, I mean, it, it mentions uh, the anarch-free states a little bit, but it's all mixed in with all the other vignettes that it should just be its own section. Like, there's, like, a little bit about Cuba. There's a little bit about um, uh, Russia and the reign of terror in France and how that was a hoot for everyone over there. But... <laughs> It's like I was really hoping to find like some like sections, but by um, geography explaining on these are the anarch domains and how each one works, instead of just being you know splashed around everywhere. Yeah, when I'm talking about like twelve pages, a lot of that's like oh here the here they actually have three pages of interview with Salvador Garcia or something like that, because everything is vignettes, even when it's the oh what's going on in Cuba. That's just what that vignette happens to be and i don't i don't think i was even counting that one in the 12 pages because it's just very specific some delusional guy who thinks he's going to be prince because the camarilla is going to set him up if i gets that so i I guess before we move on to the the actual vignettes the other parts of the game book as game book are I guess you've got the Ministry now as a playable faction. Well, not playable faction, but as a as a playable clan. And then you've got the lore sheets, right? Yeah. Well, you, you also have like a, a little bit more overview of the free clans, or um, as they call them here, uh, basically the Anarch-heavy clans. And you have a bit of flavoring of what are the normal Camarillo clans like if you flavor them as Anarchs. Yeah, I mean, so the existing, yeah, free clans, as it were, are, are the Bruja and the Gangrel. And then it's also got a section on Caitiff and a section on Duskborn, the Thin-Blooded. However, again, unlike the Camarilla book, which had a similar sort of presentation, this mostly doesn't tell you anything about, like, here's what Bruja are like, or, you know, or this is how they tend to do this. It, again, it's it's just very specific vignette sort of thing with the gangrel and the bruja and there's i mean i think there's a little bit more maybe about the the duskborn and the traitor clan section i like the little flavorful names like it's there's no longer just oh you're just venture antitributory or antitribu it's now unchained malkavians and red nosferatu and abstract torridor but and uh and let's see and free (laughs) venture but yeah, try, but, try to pronounce the Tremere one, though. The, so the Tremere one is something like Ipsissimus, but the, the Tremere one actually is something. The, the problem with most of the other ones is that they're basically two pages or four pages explaining why, like, Ventru don't join the Anarchs, or why, or or an explanation of how, like, there just aren't many Malkavian Anarchs, or I mean, like, it's 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 not a discussion of who are the Malkavians who have actually joined the Anarch movement. It's just about how there really aren't Malkavians who I, I mean, in fact, I suspect there are many more anti-tribu than 
one would think reading these. <laughs> Just, I mean, the Tremere are different because that's that that Ipsismus, Ipsismus, bloody, was presented as an actual house. So there's not a lot there about them. They're theory just seems to be what Alistair Crowley was right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do what you want, shall be the whole of the law, and never mind that and it harm none part. That's that's such a difference, right, in those two phrasings. And it harm none, do what thou wilt. Versus do what thou wilt, shall be the whole of the law. Not the same thing at all. Like, half of the words are the same, but not even slightly the same. <laughs> I mean, are they trying to insinuate that Crowley was a Tremere, or... No, because he's, I believe, an actual mage. Just that they're, they like him. I, I don't know, but it, it it just other than the Tremere, it's got those sections, but it it's it kind of just feels like more vignettes. And I have to admit that even the section on the ministry, like I left the section on the ministry, formerly the followers of Set, and I don't really know what the ministry are supposed to be. Well, I don't know what the ministry is either by the description given in the book. It just seems like they're just trying to get followers to do something. It just seems like people, vampires, licks, whatever, just trying to get mortals and other vampires to, you know, break their limits and break their convictions. They still present the whole set-focused mythology, and then they say some things that sound like, oh, well, maybe that there are now ministry vampires who actually don't follow sets, but then there are other things that seem to make it think that they do, so I'm, I'm kind of left confused as to, so are there ministry vampires who really don't follow set, or are there ministry vampires who pretend that they don't follow set in order to lead people down the primrose path? And, honestly, as far as I can tell, the Ministry is not really in any way part of the Anarch movement. They're just in this book. Yeah. It seems like they're just part of the Anarch movement, notionally just because they're not part of the Camarilla anymore, since the Banu Hakim saw to that. <laughs> yes, yes. They uh, And apparently the Camarilla is oblivious and can't just like add another clan. So... It looks like they are indeed adding the Lissambra based on what we've seen of Chicago uh, <laughs> by night, that the Lissambra are going to be number seven, or at least some portion of them. Who knows? Whatever portion of them aren't off getting killed in the Middle East, maybe. So you have this general discussion of the ministry. Yeah, you, you get the ministry's version of what we got in the Camarilla side, which basically backs up the whole, the Camarilla we're meeting the, with the Banu Hakim and the ministry. The Banu Hakim saw the ministry as competition, so they blew up the conclave that was going on between the ministry and the Camarilla. And the Camarilla didn't notice this, apparently, didn't realize that the, the Banu Hakim were at fault, I guess. And so the Banu Hakim got in, and the Sedites thought they were in. Well, because in the Sedite book, it says we had actually reached an agreement to join. <laughs> and then the Camarilla just didn't call them back to like follow up on it. That's actually one of my favorite vignettes um, is in the ministry section where they're all like, oh, what gives? And then it's like, oh, you're off the team now. So then they conclude, we're at the Anarchs now. It's not so bad. And the best part is we don't have to bend the knee to some Banu Hakim Prince. Mechanically, probably the most noteworthy and really unsurprising thing is that Serpentis is not its own discipline. They just have Protean. 
and do sneaky things. And there's, I think, one new level one presence protean amalgam power. So, you know, not technically limited to the ministry, but, you know, effectively. So before we turn back to the vignettes, I guess that leads the lore sheets. And I guess we have nine lore sheets in the back. A couple of them are followers of set specific. The other ones are, you know, either particular anarchs or are... The Gangrel and Bruja one in there. Yeah, you've got Salvador Garcia. You've got Agatha Starek, who is a Ventru, but is one of the anarchs who comes up over and over again in the book, if I recall correctly. The two Setite ones are the Church of Set and then Hesha Uhadze, who is a was as we have seen with many of these, he was the revised vampire, the vampire revised iconic for the followers of Set, and he's an archaeologist. He's you know he and Beckett are all buddies. Yeah, the Gangrel get descendant of of Xavier, who was the last Gangrel Justicar. He's the one that kind of melded with the earth and is like, oh, I touched one of our ancestors during all that time. In the clan novel series, like the 13-part series, plus some short stories, and I believe he ended up in a battle with a, literally like a Toreador neonate, actually, but who had some super powerful artifact that may or may not have, like, it was the eye of somebody. But yeah, and, and thought that they then he then felt some sort of antediluvian and the gangrel had pseudo left the camarilla you know back in the day the bruja get descendant of tyler there's also ruins of carthage which is not only bruja but i mean seriously then there's the, a generic anarch revolt and there's blood plagued which is a i believe is a reference to another novel thing See, Blood Prank really reminded me of the old flaw of uh, Infectious Bite, where you could basically be a Typhoid Mary and spread sickness to whoever you bite. They have like a 50-50 shot of dying later on, which is a walking masquerade violation, but <laughs> I just found it weird that you had to spend five dots in a lore sheet in order to get something that basically kills off the people you feed on. Does this plague actually hurt mortals? Because this was the the trilogy. I be, I think the books was the trilogy of the blood curse. But yeah, it it is kind of weird to be like pay five points to have the blood plague, or, or like to be a carrier. Like it doesn't affect you. I guess you could use it as a weapon. Like I just I bite you and then you're gonna die. Ha ha ha. But I'm okay with the lore sheets being extremely specific. Because that's fine. There only has to be, you know, one or two or what? I mean, maybe two if you're going to town with your background points or something. But mostly, like, there just has to be one lore sheet that you find interesting for a particular character. And that's all that matters. Maybe it's like, I have something about this character concept that lines up with the lore sheet. Maybe it's like, I liked that character when it was in Vampire Revised. I like that thing from a book. I like that thing from Bloodlines. Uh <laughs> There's plenty of those references. <laughs> There'd be more Bloodlines references in these lore sheets, but they use them all up, all right? <laughs> if you're just flat out going for, like, I'm an Anarch, I guess you could take Anarch Revolt or or Salvador Garcia. You've got a, a couple of options. I, I don't know. Descendant of Tyler, weirdly enough, is not 
not necessarily particularly uh, Anarch-centric, even though Tyler is a very significant figure in Anarch history. That's not really her thing. It is kind of a cool story thing to go and grab a lore, um, a lore sheet uh, power or whatever, just basically for as long as your uh, storyteller and group is okay with it, have a walking Anarch revolution in your back pocket um, through a, a chronicle. I can see that being an interesting concept, but... A lot of the lore sheets... I mean, yeah, they're, that, that's a very important proviso, the, like, if it's going to work in your chronicle. But if it's going to work in the chronicle, I think they're a really nifty thing to do. Some of us are going to be fanboys about one thing or another. Fanboys, fangirls about one thing or another and hey if you can do some interesting thing with your character while also getting an extra kick out of being buddies with Ramona I say that although I don't think she has a lore sheet if I, I don't remember having one anywhere but whatever pick pick whatever character you were a fan of and and we'll get more lore sheets in Chicago by night I would assume that we're just going to continue to get lore sheets because they can just use to like, hey, here's the cute mechanical things. Like, right, we talked in the Camarilla thing about how like I I don't really have any use for things like elder disciplines or high level combination powers. Like, I'd much rather see things like lore, lore sheets filling up the mechanical quota for the book. We did see something a little different here, in that the ruins of Carthage actually has two different powers at the same dot level. Because again, right, you buy these separately from each other, so there's no reason you couldn't do that, but I think that's the first one that's had that. So, I guess that is it for the, how is this book as an Anarch book? And that sort of leaves like, I don't know, what do we think about the art, and what do we think about the vignettes? Separate from, were the vignettes a helpful way to deliver the sort of generic information we might have liked to see on Anarchs? See, I, I just keep coming back to, like, why do you buy a game book? Um, you're either going to instruct yourself on how to do something, how an organization works, but in this case, there is no overarching organization. It's just a bunch of splinter cells. In fact, in one of the vignettes, they say there's there's one about a character showing up at an anarch meeting being the only one to have read the manifesto, and it's like, oh, wow, I thought I, I thought I knew nothing. Turns out all these other people know even less. Anyways, there's there's no reason to need to bring this to the table post character creation. That's assuming you're even using some of the lore sheets in there. What I thought the book's best use for was using some of the vignettes as possible story seeds. I don't think it's new to vampire books or World of Darkness books generally to have books that you don't bring to the table. I mean, it's not these are never books like full of crunchy bits. And even the Camarilla book, I wouldn't expect that to be sitting at the table. We're not going to stop in the middle of a session to be like, oh, let's double check what exactly the responsibilities of a Herald are before we have the Herald do whatever the Herald's going to do in this Elysium scene, right? I don't know what I think about that as a criteria, but I do agree with you that, yeah, this is to some extent just a like, here's a bunch of ideas. And it, and mostly for the storyteller, like, here's ways you can do things. I mean, some of them you could potentially use as a player, but some of them probably don't go that 
far as player concepts. Like, there's Vampire Fight Club, which I guess you could be like, oh, that's a cool scene to put into the, the Chronicle, let's have that show up one time, but I don't think it would be really interesting to have a character who is like, oh yeah, I'm really into Vampire Fight Club, so let's just do a bunch of scenes of me and another vampire shooting each other in the face. <laughs> yeah, I see that as a really good one-off scene just to describe like the, the harsh and brutal reality of being a vampire on the streets. But yeah, good luck, good luck basing a whole chronicle off the Thunderdome. These are the things that I sort of noted as... I put down as sort of notable vignettes in, in one way or another. I mean, you do... Uh, in some of it you mentioned, you get a, you get a history lesson on Carthage... You get uh, some history re- lessons on the French Revolution and the Anarch Free States, and uh, yeah, and the Bruja control of the Soviet Union, which was not actually an Anarch thing. I, I mean, it was not a Camarilla thing, but it was wasn't an Anarch thing. It was a Bruja thing. It was a Bruja thing. Yeah, there's some stuff that makes it sound like the Kuijin are just they're just kind of done with that, which is with the vibe you got from the Camarilla book. So. The Concave of Prague, the so-called Concave of Prague comes up. We don't really get anything more specific about exactly what it was that set Theobel off that made him decide to, you know, be like, okay, I'm just going to kill Hardestat and break off and and, and, and stuff. I, and it's hard to tell. Like, you can... There's stuff about Theobel in, like, in Beckett's, if you go back to Beckett's Jihad Diary, but it's not quite consistent with what's presented in v5 yeah with that one i i was kind of hoping to, to read like what the anarch uh, take on the conclave, conclave of prague was and here in this book it's just kind of giving it to you secondhand and it turns out the anarchs don't really know either but all, all we know is that we got the bruja now yeah they're like yeah go theo bell okay. <laughs> don't really know who this guy is never talked to him if you were someone who was disturbed by the reference in the core book to like the possibility of there being a Bruja who was a member of the alt right. There's a significant amount of like punching Nazis and such in here, so you, you may get a kick out of that. Vampires of the whole like, I infiltrated this like alt right group to try to, but like I just couldn't take them. But luckily, since I'm a vampire, I just ruin everything I touch anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, or or I wanted yeah. to do that. I wanted to like feed on them because I don't like them, but I just could not stand on being around them, so I just killed them all. Yeah, I, I gained power by just listening to, listening to uh, people and reading their blog posts and just repeating it like my own. That, that's how I got in there. And disciplines don't help, don't hurt much either. They had the "Is it okay to feed Vitae to <sighs> a baby?" Oh, parenting tips. <laughs> what, which is funny because one that. It seems to be like, all right, so we've just chosen the most deliberately provocative title for that. But also, that's a really easy question to answer, even from a completely practical point of view. No. Because if you write, if you turn someone into a ghoul, doesn't it slow down the aging process? Like, they're just going like, yeah. <laughs> to like, have, like, this six-year-old kid who's still, like, running around in diapers. <laughs> like, it's going to be a terrible idea. <laughs> I did like how they're like, well, it's actually really good for the masquerade to pretend like you have a family and maybe you just like work nights all the time and if you're dustborn, maybe you can get away with it even. It's all great for the masquerade and, you know, free food too. Which is consistent with the whole cleaver predator style mm-hmm. in the core book, although if you're 
turning around and, and using rouse checks to try to quiet the baby down every time it screams i don't think that's a winning proposition <laughs> I, like as, as, as far as your bl- your net blood supply goes i don't know can't feed them up i'm often enough to like have it be a sustainable herd you need you need some more others yeah you you do need support from other things because i liked the i like the lilith stuff and revelations of the dark mother although it's it's pretty hard to actually play in vampire because they're pretty brutal but the the Bahari are they do make a return appearance, although and this is one of those things where like they don't really have anything to do with the Anarch movement. There's no reason whatsoever that section or like the section on cleavers, or heck even Vampire Fight Club. As long as you like respect the masquerade, which ostensibly the Anarchs are supposed to be doing, none of that stuff is Anarch specific. Almost everything that we've talked about, except like talking to Salvador Garcia or Agatha Sterics to go around diablerizing people it could be in a camarilla city and without not not like you could adjust it to be in a camarilla city you could just drop the thing whole cloth into a camarilla city and nothing would change yeah um it sort of just felt to me like they're just stretching to meet the 200 page quota for a lot of these and i don't know what i could do other than echo that i'm not sure how much these belong in an art book i mean maybe if you had like a book who is based and the the idea of the book was vignettes, how to how to live a dark night or something. And again, it's it's not like that can't be an interesting book. We've gotten you know back in the day we got here's a book full of sample havens and here's a book full of NPCs and here's I mean that's you know that's that's fine and there's vignettes laced throughout everything. It's just yeah not not the anarch book. It is not an an introductory anarch book. It it is not a if I'm releasing a core book and then i'm releasing a pair of two supplements that are supposed to describe the major political factions and like those may be the only two supplements that i ever publish (laughs) directly in fact i think now will be the only two supplements that they publish directly this is not what i would want that to be i don't know so i guess we're back to the start so then there's the art so i guess there's like one big positive and one big negative of the art in the anarch book the and and if you if you remember back to what I said about the core book and then going into the Camarilla, I was I was a much bigger fan of the drawn art in prior editions of Vampire than a lot of the photographs that they've used in this. Some of them are done up and, and make it seem more interesting, but a a large number of them are just kind of like people standing around that don't really speak in any way to vampireness, and so. The Anarch book actually does have mostly drawn art now. So you actually, all of these little vignettes, a lot of them have their own one. I mean, they, I do like a lot of the, the vignettes all have their own individualized graphic design, which is pretty cool. You have little cute layout things like, and concepting things like the cleaver section is like a message board, I think. Yeah. People sort of exchanging tips. There's, I also like the second Inquisition just doesn't exist in this book. Like, there's message boards of people talking about vampires, and there's the the Anarch travel blogger. I, I mean, it. I exaggerate when I say it doesn't exist. There there are things that would be like, oh, great, you used the V word, now we have to get off the chat kind of stuff. But it, it's just clearly no one here really cares about the second Inquisition. They, they're supposed to be following the masquerade, but they're really bad at it. Uh <laughs> Well, just kind of like paging through this book, uh, another comment on the style, it 
it really um, reminds me of like those like '90s fanzines that are like you Xerox and you staple them together and then you put them out to like the 50 people who are going to read them. It, it really has like that kind of underground look to it, which I, I guess works for an Anarch book, but it kind of I don't know. It, it's almost like they didn't put as much work into the layout and structure as they did with some of their other books. Uh, I guess I don't agree with that. So, I mean, it, it, I mean, we're looking at, so one, we're looking at PDFs because you can't physically get this book yet because they delayed the printing of Anarch and Camarilla to pull the Chechnya section out of Camarilla and otherwise review these books for topics. So, but I, I thought the layout was just fine. I liked the little different bits that they did for each. They still, I don't know. And like I said, I I liked that they had the actual drawn art to go with all of the different sections. And they actually have art that is pertinent to the subject. Like, as much as I... I have a rose-colored view of the old vampire art because what you remember is the stuff that's really good and you forget the stuff that was, you know, forgettable. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, often was the, the case in the older uh, vampire things and other World of Darkness stuff is that aside from, like, sort of key imagery like clan pictures and stuff, the art didn't necessarily have anything whatsoever to do with what was being discussed on the page. And here, the drawn art actually does really specifically relate to what they're talking about. Like, it's the story about the mafia vampires or whatever it is. And then, oh, there's a picture of two people strung up and draining to sort of go along with that. But the downside of the art in here is that there's not a lot where they're quantity-wise, relatively speaking, where they're going back to... The those photo shoots from the core book, but Bruja are one of the clans in here, and they must have taken an awful lot of pictures at that Bruja photo shoot. It was my least favorite, let's put it that way, my least favorite set, my least favorite photo shoot from the core book, because it's just a bunch of people standing around in some sort of gang-looking setting that don't in any way look like vampires, and... There are so many full-page and two-page spreads of shots from that. It is, well, There are only so many places in a role-playing book where you get to have like this big, awesome, full-page art. And those are just getting used up by people standing around. Like When you open the book up, metaphorically speaking, since we're talking about a PDF, and you get about four pages in, you get a first your first big full-page art, and it's some guy spitting water into the air? Maybe it's supposed to be tequila or something, but I'm sure it's water. And that's it. Look, it's a it's a guy with no shirt and spitting water. What? He's literally spewing the introduction at you. That's, like, one particular one, but it's it's just not great. And, like, the cover, when you look at the cover the whole big black dot thing looks really nifty, but like then it's just got a couple walking in front of it. They're not vampires. I mean, I, I'm since the book says it's Vampire the Masquerade, I guess they must be vampires, but there's nothing about it that says something other than like random Swedish couple or I don't know. 
maybe it's the whole like it's me and my friend versus the world sort of anarch mentality they're trying to get across here and it looks like it's kind of like still light out so maybe they're dustborn i don't know <laughs> maybe i'm drawing too much from it but i believe they are dustborn because i think that this this guy might be one of the models who is who is in the Duskborn photo shoots. Yep. Anyhow, it could work if they're making a biker game book. <laughs> it's it's kids on bikes, all grown up. So I I don't know. I guess I I feel like this is a less satisfying not feel like this is a less satisfying book than the Camarilla book, and I and sadly I feel like this is a less satisfying and helpful episode than the Camarilla episode because it's just really hard to talk about what do you think about the collection of vignettes so there there is the Vegas vignette where apparently uh, the sisters from uh, the asylum have moved over to Vegas and one of them has seduced um, mortal got him to propose to her and then embraced him just for giggles but um, the part of this that I actually do like is it's, it, the section is called Swipe Right for Blood, um, basically. And they I think they might have touched on this in the Nosferatu section as well, about Kindred using dating apps and like Tinder to kind of get um, some meals to come to them. I don't know. I, I kind of find that um, concept interesting way of hunting. I guess that could be a replacement for your traditional like hit up the club for your sirens. Not that they were called Sirens before V5, but, you know. And of course, it's also a Bloodlines reference. There is that story, which includes a shout-out in it to the song Isolated, which is the song that plays in the background at the asylum. In the bathroom this time. (laughs) I really like that song, by the way. It's a good (laughs) song. (laughs) There's a story called Night Circus, which I... Chose oh, to, I, I love Nice Circus. That's that's a good that's a campaign frame all in itself. To me, it it feels like a a shout out back to the old supplement World of Darkness Midnight Circus, because there was a whole book on that that concept. There's some other shout outs, like there's a one of the vignettes is called Twenty Four Hour Party Bloodsuckers instead of Twenty Four Hour Party People, which is I think about a Duskborn and the fact that like they can just go all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't have to make stamina rolls for that. So. And then there's an electric vitae acid test instead of the, what is it, electric Kool-Aid acid test, I think yeah. is the actual. Those are shallow things yeah. to like, I'll grant. I got to chuckle out of that one because it's basically how to prank the elders and then get yourself killed for the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> there are a number of interesting but not necessarily useful, like a couple of the, like when when Agatha Starek comes up, like I think she's usually interesting because she's just very frank about provocative <laughs> wanting to to go around and you know, like there's like let's have these extended discussions about how about like you know wanting to drink from this or that ventru just because you enjoy the the taste kind of stuff it's it's one it's very vampire it's a very like it's an actual character motivation that is is specific to the genre and it's not just i don't know accumulation of power i like the it's not really a rule, but they have um, something called response algorithm, which is basically a story um, teller's like tool kit, I guess. Um, basically, it goes from like low, mid, upper, and final, and tiers on how to write a story and 
different ways to keep the beats interesting. I can see that being really useful in order to run a game. In some of these books, they introduced, uh, I guess, like additional rule sets that you could tack on. I kind of just found this one, while it's not like a rule set, it could be potentially useful, especially if you have a new storyteller trying to get the story beats to A, make logical sense, and B, to kind of feel um, diverse enough that you're not always doing the same thing all the time. That's funny, because I did not find that section to be useful at all. I guess to me it's just so vague that it doesn't really tell you anything. I mean, maybe you're uh, you're coming at it from someone who's had a lot of experience um, being a storyteller. At this point for B5, they don't really have a storyteller to skyed out yet. They're basically asking new storytellers, this being the only three books you have access to, how do you run a chronicle? And this is at least like some sort of guide to that. Yeah, there's never going to be a storyteller's guide for V5. So a book that is only a storyteller's guide, it's like they don't make things that are just like single clan splat books anymore. Like you, when you release a book for business reasons, you've got to release a book that's for everybody, really. I mean, it's okay, you know, like there's storyteller screens and that sort of thing, but there's no storyteller book for V20. So that would not be something I would wait on. But yeah, it's it's so vague because it's like you basically have the coterie and then they've interacted with somebody in some ways. And I guess it gives you like, here are five different ways that that organization might respond. It might try to recruit the characters. It might try to pay them off. It might study them. It might rat them out. It might rough them up, right? And so I guess you have those five and then... The escalation of force. Yeah, I mean, it goes from five to four to three to two to to one and one is just all out war i guess if they haven't resolved but i guess you as the storyteller would look at those five and be like hmm, how should they respond i guess they'll rough them up well let's not pick that one because it's off on the side like let's say they try to pay them off and then either the coterie gets accepts the bribe or then they would escalate to erase their enemy or lure them away so and then it says oh well what is lure them away the organization creates a crisis somewhere else to try to get the coterie to go over there. And then if that doesn't work, then you you, know, you have two options. I don't know. I guess if the storyteller can't think of any any way for the, the Camarilla to respond to the Anarchs other than killing them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess we were of, of reversed positions for the little mechanical bit at the end of the Camarilla book, because which was the institutional conflict. And if I recall, you were like, ah, this is... This is completely useless. And I'm like, well, no, like this here's how you could use it. So I guess they're batting 500 for each of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess like I, I'm personally a fan of trying to like at, at the organizational level, try to resolve things at a narrative way rather than just always mechanical and just do what makes sense. And like you said, if they're, if they're truly not going to do a storyteller's guide, they got to kind of slip in how to run like different scenes somewhere. Game master, not this is not a vampire specific thing. Game master advice is very hit or miss, partially because it's it's always like, what is your audience? If you're writing for somebody who truly has no experience uh, as a game master and like you're laying out the basics, it's hard to put that in a supplement because now you're relying on that person going and buying a second book already. This isn't D and D where you know everybody has to buy the dungeon master's guide. Uh, or any any DM does, 
And so there's there's always questions of like what what is the level that you're talking to with your players? What is it that you say that is going to not necessarily be super obvious to somebody who's been role playing for a while, but not be so esoteric that it's not helpful to the to the person who actually needs advice? And it's so I I don't know. I guess we we can see how Monty Cook does with the your best game ever book. I mean, obviously he's done well with the uh selling it aspect of it but we'll you know we haven't read it yet it can just depend like i i know i mean monty cook specifically has actually written some very good storytelling advice like in the numenera book the game master section and that is is pretty good but it's just so hit or miss i do think that uh, the storyteller system and the way vampire and world of darkness games are meant to be run is more cinematic more character oriented rather than just uh run in stab something and take its stuff and i think they need they do need to uh get that across as often as possible especially to newer players as much as there's a desire not to say that one person's playstyle or another is is wrong i i feel like you are doing it wrong if you're playing vampire as a kill the monster and loot its body <laughs> sort of game <laughs> oh. Well, you are the monster in this case, so... Uh. That just means you're playing Munchkin. Kill the monster, stab your buddy. It's, it's, which is, it's just all the same things. Uh, you, and your, you and your buddy are both monsters. So, have a session zero where you discuss how much stabbing of your buddies is appropriate. Yeah, that's a, that's a good rule. I, Do you have any closing thoughts on this? The vignettes are interesting to read. It's partially... like So, one of these things is these vignettes are really short. So that's that's part of the like when you say like oh what's your favorite part like well they're really short I don't know I like uh, I, I don't know I I liked D and Agatha as as narrators they and a couple of the things are right there's the this sort of like deliberate provocativeness to them but they at least made for interesting perspectives it's just that it's hard when you're assessing three page chunks to point to like the thing that was really great in a deep sort of way because it's not a deep presentation it's an interesting set of vignettes it's just not really what i was hoping for in the anarch book i i suppose i i'm to some extent just assuming that okay the anarch movement is what it always was really i can't imagine though if i was a new player if i had never played vampire before and I was picking this book up, I think I'd be completely befuddled. Because I, I would just have no idea what on earth the Anarch movement is. I think the core book does a good enough job in setting the tone that you don't really need more of that in this book. And to be honest, like when I actually get my copy, physical copy of this, I'm not sure, unless I'm going to roll or stat up like a ministry character, there's not a whole lot of reason for me to open the book again. You can look up a lore sheet if somebody needs a lore sheet. I don't... But I, I guess it would probably... The one thing, like, since... Okay, since I do know the Anarch movement generally, or Anarchs generally anyway, and I can just, you know, kind of go back to how that has been for years now. But, like, the Ministry is supposed to be more different, it feels like. So I... I that is one thing I really do wish that they had better conveyed what the ministry is about now 
I guess... They're a cult. I would kind of just coast on the notion of, okay, whatever, they're still the followers of Set, they just have a different name now, whatever. Yeah. Because there's just not enough there to, like, actually have a different concept. There's this hand-waving at the notion that they're somehow different without really nailing down how. So, that was the Anarch book. I think it's fair to say that we have a consensus on the the Camarilla book is more useful than the Anarch book. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> it, you could probably go back to the Vampire the Masquerade revised sect book on the Anarchs. It does say something interesting, I think, about the, the shift in focus. If I recall correctly, the, the revised Vampire originally re- released the Camarilla and Sabat books, and then only later added the Anarch book. Just as the like, what was the the focus of the the game then and now? But C- Craig and I have both ordered slipcase sets, so we're we're getting these. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, They'll be on the shelf at least at one point or another. Yeah. So we've been discussing the Anarch supplement for Vampire: The Masquerade Fifth Edition. At the moment, you cannot purchase it. So you've been listening to. Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there in iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, the Google Play Music Store, Stitcher, Spotify. Really, if there's anywhere that you would normally go to subscribe to a podcast, if you can't find us, please let me know so I can uh, address the situation. You can also find us on the usual social media Haunts, we are Strange Assembly on Instagram. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter. We are Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. Because, you know, why come up with some random different name when I can just use the same one every single time? I do always like to hear from you. So you can reach me. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com with your comments, criticisms, feedback, and such. But until then, for Craig Kellner, I'm Chris Stevenson. And this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.